Uh, so much to talk about. Obviously, this is the week, the the final January 6th uh, hearing, at least for now, uh, at least before the midterms, um, right. ended with a subpoena of Donald Trump, <laughs> which we Were all you know. surprised that they subpoenaed him? Because I was kind of- Well, I was surprised they didn't do it nine months ago when it could actually be litigated to force him there. Now there's no way to do it because it seems like the House will go Republican and by the time January comes, all sorts of things will change. You know, But you know, subpoenaing Trump is like, room service at motel six you know it's i mean gonna it's, 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 it's never it's, gonna come yeah it's a fait accompli it's not it's gonna happen but anyway that and obviously there's a lot going on that will that'll come out of this uh probably the most disturbing thing i saw was a poll um and the first poll was about four months ago that said that 38 percent of americans believe that trump uh caused the attack on the capitol mm. uh, uh motivated them to do it uh was was part of it. But, Should be higher. Yeah. However, the new poll came out today and the number's 33%. So five less percent of Americans believe that Trump is responsible, which means obviously, you know, this was a forensic retelling of events. Yes, you exactly. Know, one by Republicans. You know, yeah, Thompson, everyone you that know? was close to Trump was yeah. interviewed. And I can't understand why they think that this is a trial that they love to say. Nah, and it's, it's you know, it, it was... The, the drama was, was rich. A primetime production, including some never-before-seen footage from the January 6th Capitol attack. We need to hold the doors of the Capitol. I need court support. As the House committee investigating the assault held its first public hearing, presenting nearly a year's worth of work to the American people. Well, let's bring in our guests. Uh, joining us right now, Frank Fugluzzi, a former assistant director of the FBI, author of The FBI Way, Great Read, uh, and Brian Karam, uh, form, well, current White House correspondent and author of The Free Press, or Free the Press, excuse me. And um, uh, let me start with you, Frank. Uh, first of all, I'm going to ask you this question. What was it like having an opportunity uh, while at the FBI to work with Herschel Walker? <laughs> so first, thanks for having me on, on the show, Chip and, and Nikki. I'm glad, I'm glad we could make this happen. Um, you know, this is interesting. I, my first office in the FBI was Atlanta. And at the time, I remember overhearing the, the agents who worked applicant recruitment on the phone with headquarters about Herschel Walker, who actually had expressed, this is now, gosh, I don't know, let's say 88, 1988. And, and he had expressed interest in the FBI. And like um, Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And so there, make a very long story short, they had, a, they had a talk with him and it turned out that he just didn't meet the qualification. No, and, shocking. So, so it's my guess. So if you want to point to a kernel of truth at all in what he's saying, it's that he had an interview. He got talked to. There was a visit. Because they thought I, they thought this would be an incredible boon, right? Here's this college football star at the time right. who wants to do this, or or maybe even I don't know where he was in '88. And they looked at him and they went, "Yeah, no." <laughs> and, and so that's that's that story. Oh. Have you guys seen the video um, of of the debate between him and Warnock? I watched, watched it, I watched it live. He pulls the badge. Let me play you a real quick clip of this. Look at this. Accountable. One thing I have not done. I've never pretended to be a police officer and 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 I've never I've never threatened a shootout with the police. Well, and now I have to respond to that. We are we are, we are no, moving no, 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 on, I gentlemen. I have to respond to that. 
And you know what's so funny? I am work with many police officers. <laughs> and By the way, you can get those on the internet just what about What was every that? Week. What was it's the video? Badge. Badge. Uh, um, let me jump to you, Brian, real quick, because <laughs> this is all part of where we are. Um, you obviously rose to some infamy with your, <laughs> with your, your question that has resonated and was, uh, well, it was uh, obviously. We're still living it. Yeah, we are. Lose or draw in this election. Will you commit here today for a peaceful transferal of power after the election? Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. I and, understand that, but and, people are rioting. Do you commit oh, to making sure that there's a no, peaceful wanna, transferal of power? We want to have get rid of the ballots, and you'll have a very trans. We'll have a very peaceful. There won't be a transfer. Frankly, there'll be a continuation. Wow. I, I can't stand them. Get rid of those darn ballots. If only the ballots, <laughs> Just right? Stop counting. <laughs> Just let me stay, damn it. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I felt good about, I mean, I feel like I, I did the other night when the, the Padres won, uh, but they still have two games left for the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are a powerhouse. I look at this right now, and I, I think we have an accumulation of evidence in four cases against two federal cases with the documents on January 6th and then Georgia and New York. Um, but I still don't feel confident. Well, I think the search of Mar-a-Lago, you should feel very confident in that leading to a charge against Donald Trump. I mean, if I were the uh, <laughs> if I were prosecuting that case, I would simply play the tape that Donald Trump uh, from Donald Trump's rally the other night where he said, yeah, it's my stuff and I want it back. <laughs> That's, I would Ridiculous. go uh, in the story. It's not your stuff. And, uh, you know, you're also dropping the narrative that the FBI have, had planted the stuff. Now you're just claiming it's yours and you want it back. That's open and shut. And that's, you know, it's it's belongs in the National Archives. Doesn't have to be classified. The government says we'd like it back. You give it back. You don't send a, an attorney out on in June saying uh, we have no more material. And yet you have more material. And then you direct a, an intern to move it around for you. Look, th th that's probably the easiest case that they'll ever have to make against Donald Trump. And he's prosecuted himself. You know, he's incriminated himself with everything that he says. So feel confident in that. Down in Georgia, I think you can feel confident in the way that is progressing. I think Rudy Giuliani is searching for, uh, you know, orange underwear at this point in time and should for the rest of his life. And I, I think that out of the uh, what comes out of January 6th is probably the most complicated uh, mess. There have been hundreds that have already been prosecuted. I think it will go up the line. I think Meadows, I think Jeffrey Clark, I think all of them have a right to be uh, scared shitless and probably are. And I think Donald Trump at the end of the day is going to face indictment for that. Well, I think my question is, do we really think that they're going to prosecute a former president of yes. the United States? I, this is my fear. Successfully I fear prosecute. Successfully, Successfully well, I can't say because but I no mean, do you think that it's going to hurt more? I feel like Biden or the Justice Department is really just weighing the fact of whether or not a former president is above the law. No. And they may say that no one's above the law. I'm still waiting if they're no. really going to do right, well, it. I have on. my doubts. I have here's, my doubts. Here's why. Frank, you, you've been in, in the middle of this for your entire career. What, what what are you feeling right now? And I say feeling. And in other words, looking at all this, knowing that. Because I first of all, I think the first indictment will be coming about the documents. I think it'll be before Georgia, New York or yes. January 6th. Right. Um, and obviously there's something there. But 
can you get 12 people? Um, you know, what will that look like? And obviously, since they're waiting past the midterms, and we know now that there's a really good chance the House will be run by Republicans. I don't um, know that. We don't know that. Of course, we don't, we don't. know that. But, but it I, doesn't. I, I, I think there's an increasing chance that that won't happen. Now, we'll talk about Ryan. later in the show. We're going to okay. talk about, you know, the, the Roe v. Wade blue wave stuff that we a 2018. It showed up. But Frank, tell me, yeah, I mean, what's your sense of this right now as a as former FBI? Yep. So so here's where my 25 years of experience in federal law enforcement helps and and where it doesn't. I, and here's what I mean by that. First, where it doesn't look, this is unprecedented. Right. I, I could tell you all about policy protocol and how how investigations and grand juries work. And then, as Nikki brought up, we're talking about a former president of the United States. So but let me let me do talk a bit about how this works um, as a matter of policy and protocol. Prosecutors don't bring uh, grand jury uh, grand juries together, execute search warrants if they have no intention of charging the person. So the intent is there, I believe that Merrick Gar Garland, through his actions, through the incredible appeals, aggressive appeals. Um, I mean, think of DOJ yeah, yeah. recently telling the Supreme Court, back off, get at, yeah. go, go home and shut up. That's essentially what the Department of Justice has told the Supreme Court. They would not be doing that if they did not fully intend to charge. And I think Brian's right. I think the slam dunk charge is, uh, and let's be specific about the Mar-a-Lago uh, charges, it's going to be the obstruction charge. Yes. I mean, even as we speak right now, the Wall Street Journal has reported additional details about a, a more sources at Mar-a-Lago talking to the FBI, even even recently. You know, Jared just can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Barrett, right? Uh, or Melania. Ivanka so um, it's, it's, going, it's going to happen. The issue of whether or not you can assemble a jury that's going to do this uh, the right way, whether you'll win or not. I think Merrick Garland cares not about that, but rather whether the charges are there. I think it needs yes. to happen. Well, he'd be the first prosecutor in the world that didn't go into a case not thinking about he needs to win. Is well, he right. above that because he's the, the attorney general? Well, Chip, he, he, he'll go, like like Frank was saying, the slam dunk, I, I, a lot of federal prosecutors, and Frank knows better than I, you, you, you want to charge someone in a federal court, you want a slam dunk, you, you want a conviction. Right. This right. is Donald, look, I tell everyone, a, I've covered Merrick Garland for years. He's meticulous. He works hard. He doesn't care where the politics takes him. He only take, cares where the law takes him. They would have been better off putting him on the Supreme Court, but it's, it's you know, karma's going to get you. So now, yeah, but what about years. one of the dozen things that this guy has said the last six years? True. That, that, I mean, he said to Lester Holt, that he interfered with Comey's investigation. He, he admitted to obstruction of justice. Yes. Uh, Mueller, and how about this? Tell me if I'm wrong, Frank. Um, the justice and the Mueller investigation, they both thought the other side was investigating the association with Russia and the kleptocrats and Putin. And so neither investigated. So we got nothing out of that. So it made, I'm just saying that, you know, you, you poked, the, you better, if you're going to kill, the, if you're going to go for, what's the old saying? If you're going to go for if the- you're going to um, aim for the king, don't miss. That's don't why miss. I think it's taking a long That's, time. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's far easier to, to, you know, to break a law than it is to prosecute someone for breaking the law. And then when it comes to Donald Trump, he's the slipperiest son of a bitch that's ever been. Merrick Garland is the most meticulous guy I've ever met. I think he will hunt him down and will not allow that sewer rat out of the corner. But it's, so. it takes it takes a while to do it and it's got to be done right. 
And I think Garland is the guy for the job. Frank, well, what happens, just real quick, what happens if he becomes the nominee for 2024? I mean, that's the thing that not. I think a lot of people are, oh, right Brian, now he's wrong. the only one that's He's going to be the nominee for 2024. He won't even run. He's just going to act like he's going to run the whole he time? He doesn't have to run. I, You know, I've oh. asked Michael Cohen this every day for the last, I can't tell you how many months. And he remains convinced that it's all a grift. And I see no, look, Donald Trump, when he look, was, I don't want to knock Michael Cohen. Okay. But, but all right, wait a minute. But, but the point is, is Donald Trump does not want the scrutiny again that he had as president. He can stand on the sidelines right now and scream and rant and rave and, and collect get money. money. Mm -hmm. And that's, and he's not regulated. And he's and, and there's very few people that can say anything about what he's doing. But if he declares as a candidate, he's going to have trouble. OK. All right. Let me ask you this, Frank. Uh, we remember, obviously, the, the six for a lot of reasons. We'll talk about the FBI, the latest report that the FBI actually knew about the guns there uh, as Trump was trying to get them in past the magnometer into the group. Um, when he sent them down there, he knew they were armed. Um, you know, of course, we Bannon and, and others who can take these ideologues and turn them into what well, all hell is going to break loose tomorrow. It's all converging. And now we're on, as they say, the point of attack, right? The point of attack tomorrow. I'll tell you this. It's not going to happen like you think it's going to happen. Okay. It's going to be quite extraordinarily different. All right. So Frank, how, how much is still out there? How dangerous is it right now? um to to underestimate these guys yeah look you do so at your own peril i i want to go back to nikki's question about what happens if if trump runs and i know we can debate all day whether he will or won't and, and all of that but i i think you know in terms of the best reason why he would run is because he's facing indictment and and he wants to further gin up the radicalized base and things could become extremely violent i i'm concerned in the short term just about uh, the November midterms and and what's going to happen in certain states like Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Michigan, where clearly the strategy has been laid out by the guy you just played the clip of, Steve Bannon, who has told us repeatedly, and we've heard this from Roger Stone, just claim you won. We exactly. don't need to win. We don't need to win. We just need to instill doubt about the credibility of the vote. And that is very much alive in those states I just rattled off and perhaps more. And you're going to see candidate after candidate, Carrie Lake in Arizona the, for governor has already said, if I don't win, it's rigged. We're we're going to have some ugliness in November and it's going to pale in comparison to what would happen if Trump is indicted and then decides he's running right. or vice versa. And it, it's seen as a, a government suppression of a candidate. Right. I, I, if I can look, I. I here I am out in mid-Missouri for the last week talking to red and blue voters, and all I can tell you is outside of the D.C. bubble, I think the threat of, of real violence is abating. I think people really? are... Yeah, I, I look, we live in a country where we have mass shootings every damn day. What the hell are these people going to do that's any different than what we've already seen? And they are a shrinking number of, of people. The real Frank points to what the real problem is, and the real problem is that if you cast out among the vote down ballot and if you have problems in the legislatures and in the city councils, people screaming they don't want to go gentle into that good night, it's going to gum up the works for a, a good long time. Yeah. Extreme right. violence, I don't see that as well, much 
is that, is I see you're right. Here's a person that threatened violence against the president, and I, he should be scared. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. Oh, he comes. I'm going to punch him out. This oh, is my mom. I would pay the I'm that. waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail and I'm going to be happy. You know, <laughs> I love her. I love her. Speaking but, like my kind of woman. Honestly, Mom, don't mess around. No, honestly, though, you know, there is, there's a sense of that in, you know, the, the Democrats, um, uh, we, we don't have groups like Oath Keepers or Proud Boys. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm more of an independent than a Democrat, although I, I feel that, you know, I look at, I look at, who who has become the the hero for the Democratic Party? It's 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 real simple, right? I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible: there will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. So yeah. if, if she's yeah. the voice of the Democratic Party, somebody that could be well, you couldn't have some, anybody who has whose ideals and values and principles, uh, political principles, and all those are more apparent to a group of people than Liz Cheney, right? Well, hey, Chip, you're looking at the first person in history, the first Republican in history who probably can't get the Republican nomination, but who would probably win in a general election. Interesting. Wow, I mean, that's interesting. All right. Well, so she's not though. So there's there's quite a few things here. And let's talk about the Secret Service. Carol Lenning's book was revealing about this. But um, Frank, you know that we all thought we assumed and I grew up in D.C. and of course you've been in the FBI and I that the Secret Service were um, dedicated uh, men and women and and not, you know, not bureaucrats, but in a way bureaucratic. They went about their business in a very straightforward way. Um, my cousin was uniformed Secret Service under Clinton. He used to come and tell me all the stories. You know, it was great. Um, but the, the you know, the Ornato and the others um, and the fact that Pence was afraid to get in a car with some secret service agency didn't trust. Where are we with that? So, uh, you know, writ, writ large, I look at this from the macro level. This is Trump has eroding, destroying our institutions, whether it's the Centers for Disease Control, the Department of Justice, the Pentagon, the FBI. And now we learn, you know, he's really, really eroded the secret service. He touches things and, and he's toxic to them. And one, as you say, one of the premier law enforcement agencies, pristine throughout, known throughout the world for doing what they do very well, has now begun a collapse because of perceptions and their own reality that they, I mean, what knucklehead decided that Tony Ornato should go from being a part of the detail, the head of the detail, for Trump to holding a political office in the White House. And then when he's done, the I'm right Service. back in head training for the Secret Service. On what planet does that sound like it makes sense? But that's the kind of lunacy that Trump has led to in institutions. And it's a reminder that institutions have got to work just as hard at, at, at their mission as they do at preserving what's going on in their own God darn ranks. The FBI now, it comes out, Thursday at the hearing for the first time, I really hear that the FBI really was giving fulsome intelligence briefings. They had they had information on the QRFs that the Oath Keepers were staging around the district, right? They did and nothing. My own, my own What's a QRF? What's a QRF? 
a quick reaction force. These okay. these these caches of weapons in the hotels around the Beltway in D.C. ready to be called in for the Insurrection Act being uh, executed, right? And and so, but but that contrast that with Chris Ray six months after January 6th, going on the Hill, raising his right hand and testifying, we did not have specific intelligence indicating any attempt to breach the Capitol. Think about the head of the Washington- Did you Football. believe he's lying? No, yeah. so, so this is this is the fascinating thing that, you know, like the shooter on the grassy knoll that would people still talk about years later, we got to get to the bottom of this because if he's lying, he's got to go, obviously. Right. And But if the system is so horribly broken that Intel never got to him six months after January 6th, then, then he's got to go for that too. So, and, and then multiply this across the Secret Service, the, the Department of Defense that, by the way, uh, Norquist, the Deputy Assistant Secretary, briefed the White House Security Council before the 6th saying the biggest threat is a breach of the Capitol. Yeah, that's look, man, how it, it, what you said, what does it matter whether he lied or not? Get rid of him, because either way, we we, we did not have complete information in the intel that we needed. But yeah. more to the point, what's Frank saying, all of this did happen under Donald Trump. But Donald Trump is not the cause. He's merely a symptom. He's the adjutant. He's the quick accelerant on the fire. The Secret Service has had its problems in the past, as has the DOJ as had law enforcement. And what he did was exacerbate existing conditions, took advantage of them, and twisted them to his own ends and increased the amount of corruption and increased the um, amount of agitation. That's Donald Trump. Okay. He's not the originator he's not, of it, but he's but not he knows president well anymore. how to take advantage of it, and he does it every chance he gets. But, but how do you president. fix that? But yeah, but I mean, if it's well, still it there, if it was there before it. Trump, it's going to be there right now and, yeah, and years after. Now. Look, you know, um, the, the, the Republicans have a response to the January 6th hearings. Uh, here's here's someone right now. You're gonna lose. Right. I mean, this is <laughs> where we are. We are. They're laughing at us. Um, if you go on Fox or OAN or, or Newsmax, which I don't. Um, and I, I told you the numbers. I earlier. Do. Fewer Americans. Few, well, we have to. I got to find out what I they're, what see they're seeing. Um, I, I, I really I'm. Uh, I believe that that there's going to be a lot more violence. Um, I mean, what Pelosi said is what most of us are feeling. We, you know, I'm not going to throw a punch at anybody. I lost it the other day walking my dog. There's a physician down there who I know is a Trumper. And he started telling this woman who has some health problems that she said she's going to stop drinking. And he said, oh, you know, if you if people that drink live longer than the people that don't drink. And I go, you can't just say that, man. And I knew, you know, I knew he it was a position I, I remember in March of 2020 said, this is going to pass. People shouldn't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went down that rabbit and I, and I screamed at it. My wife was nuts. She goes, I got to see these people every day, but I don't know about how you guys do it, but I I'm not very, I don't do it very well. I, I can't hide my, my anger. And I, I go back to those days sitting on that Capitol Hill steps, looking at this nation and the great things we're capable of. We were born broken without a doubt. We can't even talk about that anymore. Because uh, we're too broken reason, to talk about how broken we are. Yeah, pretty much. Dysfunctional <laughs> look, family. Man, I go into that White House, you know, still two, three times a week. And it, it, what is most frustrating for me is when people don't see it. But I have been encouraged over the last few weeks by people who are beginning to see it and, and get it. And there's I have an in-law who's a big Trumper farmer out in mid-Missouri. His turning point for him was watching 
Josh Hawley do the Chariots of Fire run out of the Capitol. And at that point in time, he said, I realize that, you know, I realize that these people are phonies, including yes. Trump. And so when people, when the Republicans shout, vote for us for patriots and the, they're scaring the shit out of you with the Democrats, this farmer in-law of mine sat there and looked at me and said, I'm so sick of people telling me they're patriots and they're Trumpers. What the hell are you going to do for me if you're elected? That's what I want to know. And the That's fact that there's question. somebody changing their mind and the numbers are lower for Trump. I think the risk of real violence is abating. But my fear is, is there are consequences for actions and the midterm elections are going to be consequences, whether we uh, whether the uh, Republicans don't capture the House or the Senate or they do. There will be consequences and major consequences. Yeah. So Frank, I think you're shaking your head. You, yeah, you know, I mean, look, I, I love the message Brian is sending, and I hope he's correct. I, me too. <laughs> and and, and the, uh, there's no question that the Trump base seems to be, <clears throat> excuse me, shrinking. However, let's not forget, is the, is the, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't we looking at about 300 election deniers running for office? 290 yeah. of them, yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. And correct That's me if I'm wrong. Most of those are slated to win, predicted right. to win. I mean, so the problem. And, and I mean, Frank, that's what about at the state level, the secretary of states? And and if it's happening well, at the congressional level, you can be yeah. damn sure it's happening at a local yeah. level. This is what and there's, Frank, you're right. That's the real danger. It's not I don't chip. I don't see people p t taking up arms. I think the January 6th put a kibosh on some of that for the, the for the lower ranking folks. But Frank's point is where the real inflection is, where the real danger lies, and that is the corruption of the system so that outliers and uh, people who have obviously lost will stage, try to stage a coup. That's scary. A bully doesn't have to kick your ass every day. They have to do it once, and then you comply. Yeah. The fear of what could happen here is what's going to keep Democrats and other people from speaking up. But Frank, back to your piece to, uh, in the MSNBC, you talk about, and I'm, this, I don't know if you wrote the headline, but it essentially ca captures your piece. Did our law enforcement and intelligence agencies fumble the ball? Or was their failure more akin to intentional grounding? Explain that, because I think that's really dead on. Yeah, look, the football analogy is obvious. A fumble's an accident. It's clumsy. Um, but an intentional grounding is a, a strategic decision to pretend to play in order to save your own ass. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm saying something even worse in the column today, which is I, I don't think they showed up for the game. I, I think they threw the game. And I, and I, and I think it's a combination of horrible factors. In term, and let's go to what I'm most familiar with, which is the infrastructure for investigating domestic terrorism in federal law enforcement is horrible. I mean, you can't, you can almost not do it. If there's all, all disincentives to open a domestic terrorism case, let alone collect intelligence. And I get it. I get the civil liberties, the freedom of speech. I, I get the problem, but we've got to figure this out. So that's a large part of it. A lot of people telling me the lawyers at FBI headquarters and DOJ said, well, no, 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 we can't open those cases. So, okay, that's part of the problem. We can fix that, though. We can fix that. What we can't necessarily fix is an institutional inability to see ourselves as a threat, to see white people as a threat, to see people aligned with the guy in the Oval Office as a threat. Yeah. That That's a problem. And, you know, I, I we, we need new people to start anew in order to fix okay. that. Okay, a couple questions for all you guys before we finish, wrap up. 
Um, and I guess the first question is when um, we, we listened to uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, of course, who was um, uh, Meadows chief of staff and her comments about uh, Ornato, just- you know, grabbing the wheel. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just play a little bit of her. And but I want, while I'm, I want you to think about this, what would have happened had the uh, Secret Service agents taken him to the Capitol? If he had come up to think about that when we come back and all of you, I want to ask you that. But first, a little bit of this. I remember feeling frustrated, disappointed and really it it felt personal. I was really sad. As an American, I was disgusted. It was unpatriotic. It was un-American. We were watching the Capitol building get defaced over a lie. And we understand, Ms. Hutchinson, that you also spoke to Mr. Cipollone on the morning of the 6th as you were about to go to the rally on the ellipse. And Mr. Cipollone said something to you like, make sure the movement to the Capitol does not happen. Is that correct? That's correct. I saw Mr. Cipollone right before I walked out onto West Exec that morning. And Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, Please make sure we don't go up to the Capitol, Cassidy. Keep in touch with me. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable. Would we be better off had Trump gone up to the Capitol right now, as far as um, moving forward this 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 case against him? I'll tell I, I, Nikki. What do you think? I think so. I think that we would. He would have been arrested uh, if not. Uh, immediately, he, we would have seen charges against him a lot sooner than nothing at all right now. So absolutely. And because it would have been straight proof that he was leading that mob to the Capitol because he keeps talking about, I was just talking in, you know, superlatives. It didn't, I didn't really mean to fight like hell or whatever, but if you're marching on the Capitol with that's a real cool. That would have been a, yeah. you are part of it. You are Frank, part of it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, Nikki, Nikki's right in that it would have bolstered the evidence to the point where it would have been wrapped up in a nice bow to say, look, he he not only encouraged the crowd, he 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 was the point was there. Of the spear. Um, I I, t- I got to tell you this notion of of that happening though. Look, think of the disaster that would have occurred. So the Secret Service would have accompanied him. So armed federal agents representing the executive branch of the government would have been up against the Capitol Police Department, the Metropolitan Police Department, um, bringing a president into a coup um, and likely would have had to get violent, um, even to the point of, of uh, shots fired, in order to get him uh, into into that environment against the Capitol Police. I, 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 I don't I don't know. It would have been disastrous. And How possibly- close do you think we came? This close? Um, look, they, as we learned Thursday, the Secret Service was told, don your gear, don your gear to go. We're going. Um, and he Trump wouldn't get out of the limo in front of the White House. He said, no, no, I'm not getting out. We're going. So, yeah, we came damn close. Um, Frank, you, you, you mentioned some great points. The one point that you forgot or, or maybe I, maybe you're aware of and didn't mention on purpose was, look, if those if the president had gone up there with his Secret Service, you could have seen Secret Service facing off against other Secret Service members. With wow. my parents, that's that's and that is, look, Nuts. I I I was I, I don't know if anybody else was there that day, but I was, and I can tell you this much: I am damn glad that Donald Trump didn't march up there because it was violent enough. And had yeah. he, I don't know how caustic or how explosive or how dangerous it would have become with him there. But they put a scaffold in place 
to hang Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence, and they damn well would have done it. And if Trump had managed to breach the Capitol, I don't care what else would have happened. That would have been a, that would have been the end of the American experiment right there. Yeah. That's so I'm glad he wasn't there because it was dangerous enough. And we came within a hair's breadth. You ask how close we came. I'm telling you, if it weren't for Cassie Hutchinson, if it weren't for the, the, the thin blue line of the Capitol Police, if it wasn't for the fact that very few people did the very right thing at the very last moment when they should have done it, you know, months earlier. But the fact that they did stop it, it was it was that that close, man. And and I and I have never looked. I've covered I this year I was in Ukraine. I was in Beirut. I've covered conflict zones in 11 locations on the globe. And I have never felt as unsafe in my life as I did that day on the Capitol grounds of the U.S. I didn't know who to trust, who was an enemy, who would come after me. The crowd was incensed. It was whipped into a frenzy by Donald Trump and his minions, his son and Rudy uh, Tutti Giuliani. And they sent them up there with the express uh, desire to create havoc. And so if Trump had been there, man, I don't know if I'd, I'd be here to talk. Okay. Because it would have been death. Uh, so there's there's two ways. Obviously, Trump tried many times to overturn the election through um, legislatures, through, you know, pushing Raffersperger, lies, whatever. But violence has ended what he ended up using. Um, but what happens oh, yeah, in 2024? Right. What happens to this country if there are 67 Republican votes in the Senate? The House is run by Republicans and Donald Trump is president. I mean, Ugh, don't even say and, and And Ginny Thomas, of course, is married to a chief justice. And, and the, there's a 63, a six to three count in the Supreme Court. I mean, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if any of you can give We're it to me. We're screwed, and tattooed, pal. But can we get through 2022 before we decide? <laughs> well, no, but 2022, if we can't win in 2022, after everything we know, then we can easily lose in 2024. Oh, of course. It's, it, what kills me is we have, like I've said before, we have two parties in this country. One has no heart and one has no head. And the Democrats have no head for this. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, imagine with all the seditious activity that has occurred in the Republican Party, the absolute gory morons, the the, the sputum that, that that thrives in the Republican Party, and still they have a chance of, of taking well, back the House and the Senate. I, I mean, they brainwash I people. That's Democrats. why. My God. Um, look, I know you guys are busy. Thank you so much for being with us. Frank, your time. I know you pulled this last minute. Thank you so much for being with us. Glad we keep, could do it. Keep your head down, my friend, okay? Brian, you too. Thanks, All right. Great guests. Um, you know, it's interesting, <sighs> too, because I think Brian is a lot more optimistic than Frank is. I was surprised to hear how optimistic he was. It was I was wanting to believe like Brian believes that things are getting better. Yeah. And I just, I'm leaning a little bit more toward Frank, the fear side of we have not done enough yet and like you mentioned 2022 2024 the republicans uh, conservatives have control of the supreme court and, and and the house and the senate where are we i don't know i i, I think democracy is out the window well, absolutely I mean, the truth is a lot of these house races are, are won by 1500 votes you know mm -hmm. so the idea that there is a blue wave underway and that it can make a difference i'm i'm hopeful <sighs> I, so. I, I look at cases like, you know, Bopert is within the margin of error with, a, a, you know, her Democratic opponent. Uh, but Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to win. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to have a, a seat on the Judiciary Committee. 
I just can't, under, I don't understand why people vote against their own interests. What has Marjorie Taylor Greene done for her constituents? All she does is do things to elevate her oh, own you're, you're platform. Totally right, you know? I mean, what yeah. has she done? Name one thing that she has done that she deserves to be reelected. I have no idea. None well, whatsoever. Not on any committees. I want to talk about midterms. I want to talk about uh, Roe v. Wade and and whether or not the response to that for women around, you know, what they call Rovember, right? Joining us right now, Liz Winstead. Uh, Liz is not only the creator of The Daily Show, she's an activist and we go back. She's a very funny comedian as well. And also with us is uh, Brooklyn Dad Defiant, uh, who is one of the leading influencers on uh, on Twitter with more than a million followers and actually works a lot with some super PACs, really American mostly, and had a he had a, you had a big impact, Brooklyn. I know you're only going to talk about it in what happened in Georgia in 2020, and uh, really American did as well. So I believe that we can affect change. <clears throat> but um, let's just jump in here. First of all, good to see you guys. Hey, howdy, howdy. Um, let's uh, let's let's talk briefly about the, the, some of the Senate races that are out there before we get too deep into this. And this is Herschel Walker talking about health care, which includes. Um, healthcare for women, and especially. Because if you have an able-bodied job, you're going to have healthcare. But everyone else have healthcare is the type of healthcare you're going to get. And I think that is the problem. And what Senator Warnock want you to do is depend on the government. What I want you to do is get off the government healthcare and get on the healthcare he's got to get you a better healthcare. So that's what I'm trying to do to make you independent rather than dependent. The record, uh, for the record, Warnock is on government health care. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that guy might be the dumbest ever seen in my entire life. I'll have to edit that out. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, I I, I got to say with um, with Roe v. Wade, and I know how passionate every woman should be. And I know Nikki is as well. And, and Liz, I, you know, we go way back and, and you've you've been a proponent for um, you saw you've seen this coming for a long time and you've been screaming at the top of your lungs. Do we have momentum from uh, the case this earlier this summer uh, to to use that to win in some of these House seats? You know, I say this all the time, Chip, and, and I abortion has never been in the top 20 ever right. it, it's for progressive people. And do we win? I don't know. Ask men. Honestly, <laughs> when I read articles that say women are registering to vote in record numbers, that to me isn't a victory. That's us carrying our own water yet again. When I read an article that says men are turning out in record numbers to defend the bodily autonomy of women, mm -hmm. then I can answer that question with clarity. But it's, it's, and Kansas was exciting. It was great to see that ballot initiative. But also people need to remember that 20% of the people who went out and said, I want abortion to be in my constitutional right in Kansas, voted for the people who are proposing laws that wanted to take it away, right? And so there's a huge disconnect. And I think women my age and older have done a disservice in the whole way we've talked about abortion in the history of it. How so? We allowed anti-abortion people to completely define the narrative. Mm -hmm. How many times, I'll ask you, how many times do you actually say abortion? And how many times do you say women's health or health care that involves women? If we're not talking about abortion, we certainly aren't able to defend it. And we need to do a seismic shift 
on normalizing it. And people need to understand that the first line of a person's self-determination and, and rights as a citizen is to decide how and when and if they're going to have children and that they are the sole proprietor of that decision. Anything less than that removes us from constitutional protections and, in fact, removes us from full protections under the law, i.e. we're chattel. Mm -hmm. clear. And if we don't talk in those terms, we are screwed. And if men don't start in their core understanding that as well and prioritizing it as well and speaking out as well, Biden has said abortion four times in his entire tenure as president. The word. Wow. Nikki and I have worked together for a long time and, and, and I grew up with a single mom and four older sisters, but I got to admit, I'm still learning, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and we had a conversation when we were talking about um, when men, you know, they're right in the middle of the me too movement, you know, about Nikki, I'm gonna let you finish this, but the whole idea of like when a man has to comment on a woman's looks. Right. right. I mean, it's this whole idea of men feeling like they have a right to have a say about a woman's appearance. And, well, I wanted to comment on her outfit. What's wrong with commenting on her outfit? Not understanding that the woman does not need a comment about her appearance, that her value is not determined by how many men do comment about her appearance, that she has worth beyond what others think of her. And, um, and it was a little eye-opening for you, Chip, because I remember you just no, kept saying, you're like, you're like, well, why not? He's like, why not? Why can't I just say that to you? I'm like, because I don't need you to tell me that I look nice or pretty or whatever for me to know that, you know, I'm a good worker, that you respect me and the things that I do. I don't go home at night, sit there after everything I've done and be like, you know, it was a great day, but Chip didn't tell me I looked good. Right. No woman <laughs> should put her value on that. And that's the reality is that I think there's a lot of men that still think that way and want to have a say on a woman. And I, and I would just add to that. Um, if, if our totality was valued, I it, it would be incredibly welcoming. If we intrinsically knew right. that yeah. people felt we were competent and great and weren't just, you know, here on for the male gaze, you well, know, like leading with you are aesthetically pleasing to me. Therefore I will let you continue to speak. Yeah. It's a little bit like here's the here's the problem right here. Okay. And Brooklyn, I want to Brooklyn on this because he gets yeah. it. Um, this is a nuance, it's not really nuanced, but to, to get over centuries of the way we think, uh, you have to explain it in a nuanced way. You just can't say you're wrong, you shouldn't say that because men are gonna go and want to know. I mean, not the same reason I asked. I want to know if I'm saying something wrong, I want to know why and how I can be better, a better yeah. person, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But we know this, Brooklyn, when we if we were to uh, send this out, I mean, I get so much pushback from people on the left who say I'm being woke, you know, and they mm -hmm. talk about cancel culture. I'm like, you know, fuck you. It's not this is about doing the right thing. It's about not being an asshole. But Brooklyn, how many times uh, and you, you he's great help for me when I'm about to put a tweet out, he'll go or a video. He'll come to me. And he'll say, yeah, you're going to get killed if you say that. Uh, Brooklyn, what is, I mean, what is the state of Twitter right now? Is it, is that woke seed through there that you can't you know, uh, push back on something that's really right and should be done? You know, um, so thanks for having me on, on the show, Chip. Um, I, I prefer to be able to tweet about things I feel strongly about and not feel like I have to, filter myself 
And for the most part, I think my my natural impulse is never to offend, right? And and always to be open to learning. Um, and we are in a, a new phase right now where you kind of you you really do have to monitor there like as much as of an advocate as as I believe I am, uh, there are times where people will check me in the replies and say, hey, look, you know, you shouldn't be. I remember one time I referred to someone as a shiro, right? And they were like, why do you have to put gender on that? And I was like, you know, I'm thinking we've to myself, done it for I, centuries. Why I, not balance it? I swear I have been seeing Shiro on like zillions of tweets and herstory and stuff like that. So I, I figure, yeah, okay, let me get on board with the new thing. But apparently only some people can get the new, the new thing, or you can't always win in this battle. The, the point is not to be too, not to take it too much to heart when somebody checks you. Right. Bottom line is, can I know. can I simplify it and just and maybe uh, Liz, you'll agree with this, but to me, it's two simple words: punch up, uh, go after uh, abuse of power by people who are male or female, but go after the issue. When I go hard, and I'm very much like you, uh, Brooke, I just go in hard because I feel like why, if I'm usually I offend people who are I'm going to offend by having an opinion anyway. But um, if I'm going to go in hard on someone, I want somebody to learn something about the person that I'm saying is a, is a disaster, right? It's just me just making the statement or just being uh, defamatory for the sake of does it tells more about me than it does about the person I want people to be thinking and reassessing. So I always want people to be thinking about that person and their behavior. Not, wow, that person's a total bitch. Like what I learned nothing except she thinks so-and-so is an asshole. Why are they an asshole? And that's the part of the creative art. And that's hopefully what takes us all to the next level is that we know they're an asshole. And that's the baseline of where we're working from. Well, I started out. You take that and spin it into a creative way of saying, think about this person. So Liz and I go back to the 80s doing stand-up comedy. Um, I started out uh, and and with a lot of the same people you did, Louis, CK, um, Chappelle, I, I saw as a 13-year-old at Garvin's Comedy Club in DC. Um, and of course, my son, who is is not woke, but says, Dad, you can't keep listening to Louis CK. Um, and he's a brilliant comedian. There's no doubt. He's a great writer and 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 a satirist and all that shit. But he's also done some horrible things that I don't think have been accounted for. And so I, you know, this is my opinion. I'm not telling anybody else to do it. So I, I don't watch a standup anymore. I miss it, but I don't because you have to have a stand. I am, um, you know, a lot of this started with this piece from Chappelle's uh, the closer on Netflix. I am not saying that to say that trans women aren't women. I am just saying that those pussies that they got you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not saying it's not pussy, but that's like beyond pussy or impossible pussy. You know what I mean? it tastes like pussy, but that's not quite what it is, is it? So, you know, it makes, me, it, makes it hard for me to watch anything he does uh, before or since. Hmm. Because to me, it's punching down. I, I don't know many trans people, but I know that nobody chooses 
to be uh, abused and be uh, mocked and uh, and their lives are, are are difficult and they end up in sex work because people won't hire them in regular work or whatever. Um, I just look at something like that and I and I think to myself, I think the same with Bill Maher, who is as full of shit now as anybody when I watch him talking about this and this talking about, oh, this cancel culture. It's not cancel culture, dude. It's people responding to bullshit. It really To me, it just feels like you're mad you wrote jokes that made you even more popular by people who you don't like. Like, Mm -hmm. they literally are just mad that other people don't like them. How can you be can- every person who talks about being canceled does it on a Netflix special or on their yeah. HBO? They're rich. <laughs> yeah. They're amplified constantly. It's like, am I, do I under- misunderstand the meaning of cancel? Because I'm the abortion comedian and I don't complain that people are mad that I talk about abortion. Like I understand what I'm going to receive and what the ramifications are for being provocative on a topic that is super provocative. And so for me to be, can you imagine if I was like, why don't I get my own sitcom on CBS being the abortion comedian? <laughs> I feel like I'm being canceled. It's insane. Fuck you. Yeah. Right from your heart. And if you're a true person who wants to speak to people, like do people even stop to decide who they want to speak to, why they want to say things? Mm-hmm. Like I've never been somebody who wants to be the most popular person. I want to, respond to the world as I see it and point out the hypocrisy in it. And all of that comes with challenges and caveats and all sorts of different shit. And that's fine. I can wake up and look in the mirror every day and know that the people I'm pissing off who want me dead will do that till my dying, till I'm dead. Just keep, keep fighting and doing what you can. And we have a, we have something called Operation Save Abortion, which is a five part series. Um, to give you all the different ways that you can participate in activism around reproductive health rights and justice with a toolkit, get together with your friends, watch the series. It, it's an it's an orientation so you can decide where you want to hang your hat because I think that's what people need right now. And I think they can't feel bad if they only have five minutes a month to give because they're just struggling. But stay, yeah. stay safe and, and we'll, t- we'll see you soon, yes. okay? Thanks, Thank Liz. You. See you, Liz. All right, again, uh, follow Nikki on uh, YouTube. Nikki Maduro uh, will do it again soon with What's Franklin. Always great to see you, kiddo. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, Chip.